Turn with me tonight to Psalm 116. Psalm 116, very easy to find. Just open your Bible and you'll come to Psalms. Psalm 116. And we're going to take the trouble tonight to read uh, the entirety of the Psalm. 19 verses. Let's hear the Word of God. Of course, it's never a trouble or a bother to uh, hear the Word of God. Psalm 116, we'll read from verse 1. Let's hear the Lord, Lord's words. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me. The pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul. For the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord, now in the presence of all his people, <coughs> in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. <coughs> Praise ye the Lord. Amen. We trust and pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Psalm 116, and the verse 15, and it reads as follows, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And my theme this evening is the precious death of the saints of God. Now for a number of weeks before Easter, we've been thinking about the theme, the precious things of God in the Bible. And previously I told you there were 72 references in the Bible highlighting the things that are most precious to the Lord. A lot of references, I know. The word precious means highly valued, something to be greatly esteemed, something to be mostly treasured. And many weeks ago I preached in the first message, the precious thoughts of God, Psalm 139, verses 23-24. And what a lovely thought that is. That God Almighty is thinking of you and me tonight. That we are in the thoughts of God. And then we looked at the precious word of God. First Samuel 3 and 1. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. And what a treasure 
the word of God is. A word in our own mother tongue. A word that we can read and recite in public and in private without fear or favour. We can say like Ehud, I have a message from God for you. Remember the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The third sermon had to do with the precious blood of Christ, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. If we told you then, we repeat again, the doctrine of the blood lies at the very heart of the gospel. Dr. Paisley used to always say to us, your students, to, to make much of the blood. And he was quoting another Scottish divine called Alexander White. And of course, we in the free church make much of the blood in our preaching, in our praying, and also in our praise. And then we thought fourthly about the preciousness of faith, Second Peter 2 and 1, true faith is a gift. It's obtained. The object of faith, of course, is God in Christ. And true faith operates or works by the principle of love. The fifth message had to do with the precious promises of God. Second Peter 1 and 4, and I told you there were something like 7,300 very great and precious promises in the book. And every one of them is yea and amen to those who are in Christ Jesus. Every promise is like a blank check signed by Christ. And, and you can bring it to the bank of heaven. You can cash it in. You can say to God, do this in Jesus' name. Then we thought about the preciousness of redemption a few weeks ago from Psalm 49, verses 8 and 9. Then we thought about the precious sons of Zion, Lamentations 4 and 2. A few weeks ago, we considered what I perceived to be the most precious thing of all in the eyes of God. And that's the preciousness of Christ. 1 Peter 1, 2 and 7, unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. And I told you then, out of the 72 references in the Bible to the precious things of God, seven times in Peter's letters, the word precious is used. Chapter 1, 6 and 7. Chapter 1, 19. Chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 7. 2 Peter 1, verse 1. And 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. The fifth reference involves God's dear Son, Jesus Christ. Five, remember, in the Bible is the number of graves. And what a gracious revelation Jesus Christ is to the soul in the fullness of his person and work. Now, now tonight, out of those 72 references to the precious things of God in the Bible, is one that I've given a very strange title. The Precious Death of the Saints of God. The text says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, I have a question tonight. How can death ever be termed precious? Is there such a thing as a precious death? Is there such a thing as an unprecious death? I believe the answer to those questions is yes, there is. Think of the text. Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, three things I want to leave with you this evening. I want you to think, first of all, of the principle of death that's mentioned. If you isolate the word death, underline it, let's learn this, that death is the universal experience of all men. 
all must needs die. Every one of us. We'll only ever escape death by the second advent of Jesus Christ to this earth. Those who are alive and remain at the coming of Christ when he returns will be caught up to meet him in the air. And they'll be given a new body likened unto his glorious body. But, but generally the case is this. Hebrews 9.27 And as it is appointed unto men once to die and after death the judgment. Death, remember, is by appointment. Death comes at the end of life. And we could talk tonight about the universality of death. Death came about, remember, as a consequence of the fall and of sin into the world. And we think again of what the Apostle uh, Paul stated in Romans chapter 5 uh, and in the verse 12, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And over there in the book of Second uh, Samuel, in Second Samuel uh, chapter um, 14, and in the uh, verse 14, it was Samuel the prophet who uh, made this statement, for we must needs die, and are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. Neither does God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banquished be not expelled from him. Isn't it strange in Genesis chapter 5, for example, we read the words, and he died. We're given there a list of men that enjoyed great longevity. They, they lived for hundreds of years. The oldest amongst them was a man called Methuselah. Methuselah lived to 990, sorry, 969 years. That was a long time. That was a, a long life. Imagine living to your 100. But, but, but this man was heading towards the 1,000 years, 969 years. But you know what we read of him? And he died. Now naturally, when it comes to the subject of de death, we, we hate it, we, we loathe it, we, we shun it, we don't want to face up to it, we shy away from it. But here's the reality. One day it's going to happen. One day I'll die. One day you'll die. It will happen. Death has been called the king of terrors. Dr. Paisley used to coin the phrase, and the terror of kings. The Apostle Paul called it the last enemy to be destroyed. Some talk about the Grim Reaper. And of course the Grim Reaper is not a friend. When the Grim Reaper comes, we could really say the Grim Reaper is a foe. And over in the book of Job in chapter 14 verse 10 we read, But man dieth, and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? This is true of all. This is true of Christians and non-Christians. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter if you're a strong believer or a weak believer. And the reality is that when death comes, the death of a loved one, it brings grief into the home. It fills us with a sense of sadness. 
We shed tears. There's a sense of pain and loss and distress. Many are filled with gloom and fear at the thought and the prospect of death. And it's a very strange subject, a, a sad subject, a, a, stro a, 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 a strong subject. But look at the text. You see, death is not to be totally considered or viewed as all gloom, as all sadness, as all to do with tears and distress and pain. The Bible tells us in Revelation 14, verse 13, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. The word blessed is one of the Beatitudes, and it means literally, in colloquial terms, oh, the happiness, or happy, happy. Now, now think about it. Happy, happy are the dead which die in the Lord. You see, what's in view here in our text is the death of a true believer. It's only their death that is precious in the sight of God. The death of all men is not precious in the sight. Death, yes, is heartbreaking. Yes, death can be a sad event. But listen to what God says in Ezekiel 33 and verse, what, verse 11. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. There's a big difference. Between the death of one of the redeemed children of God and the death of someone who's a rebel to God. And the wonderful thing is this, that it's only the child of God that's in view here. And no matter who we are, we're all included. Some who have died at the stake faced the fire of persecution. Maybe someone who's died at sea and they never had a body. Maybe someone who's died in the company of family and friends. Somebody who's died at home or in hospital or died in the battlefield. It doesn't matter who they are or where they've died or the way that they've died. If they're a child of God, if they're redeemed and washed in the precious blood of Christ, then blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. I want you to think not only of the principle of death that's mentioned, but I want you to think of the participants of death that, that, that's mentioned. If you look at the text very carefully, it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, think of the words, the death of his saints. That's a remarkable statement, isn't it? The saints refer to the holy ones. That is one who's in a saving relationship with him. His saints, one that he has chose, one that he has called, one that he has cared for, one that he has cleansed, one that he has commissioned. I, I want to make it clear tonight that the word saints here has nothing to do with those who have died and go through the process of beatification as taught by the Church of Rome. Of course, the Church of Rome teaches that after a period of time, someone who has died as a faithful adherent to Roman Catholicism, and when it's been discovered that they did a few miracles, I think it has to be two, and that has to be witnesses, and they're found. Usually happens over a period of hundreds of years. And then they're declared to be a saint. 
And that's, of course, the first step towards beification. And beification is a process. Now, now, this word saints here has nothing to do with those so-called saints designated to be saints by the Church of Rome. The, the reference is to individuals who were saints before they died, not after they died. They were saints because they were part and parcel of the people of God, the holy ones of God, who were redeemed and washed in the precious blood of Christ. Literally, it's a reference to, to living saints. If you turn over there to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment, Ephesians 1, and uh, look with me at verse 1. It says there, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's living saints. He says the same thing in the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, and in the uh, verse 1 again, we have the same or similar information. Paul and Demotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. In other words, they're, they're living and breathing individuals. They're found in Christ. They live for Christ. And they live out their Christian life through the strength and power of Christ. And one day they've got the assurance and the anticipation that they're going to be with Christ. In other words, they're saved. They've been legally declared righteous by the death and bloodshedding of Jesus Christ. They're not called saints by virtue of their own goodness or morality or uprightness. You think of the hymn tonight, only a sinner. Saved by grace. And one of the greatest verses in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Um, you've got the doctrine of double imputation there. For he, that is God, hath made him, that is Christ, to be sin for us, or a sin offering, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, on the cross, when you think of Christ on the cross, our sins with its guilt and punishment was transferred to the account of Christ. In other words, it was reckoned to be his. He was treated as the biggest sinner and criminal of all. When the Bible says Christ died for our sins, that's what it means. It means that, that our um, guilt and punishment due to sin was, was transferred, put to his account. Christ bore our sins in his own body in the tree. And then because of the perfect righteousness that he earned by a sinless life, and earned by his atoning death, that uh, perfect righteousness, the moment we put our trust in him as Lord and Savior, it is transferred or put to our account. And we're designated legally righteous in his sight. We're, we're counted as among those who are holy and pure, saints of God. You see, the saints are redeemed. The saints are alive. The saints are already his people. Now, let me ask you tonight. Are you saved? Are you trusting in Christ? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Remember what the Apostle Paul wrote when he was writing to Titus. And he says this in chapter 3. He says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. 
by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which is shed in us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, are you one of his saints tonight? Are you redeemed? Have you have a testimony to the saving and keeping power of Jesus Christ? Think of the hymn. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed? In the blood of the Lamb. That's a very important question. Because the answer to that question then determines your, your, your legal status before God. And, and how God designates you. The participants of death that's mentioned. It's the death of his saints. That's important. You know you're a sinner tonight. You know you need to be saved. You know you've got a soul that needs to be saved. You know you must be a child of God if you want to be in heaven. And you, you, you want to die in Christ. Then you've got to receive him. But as many as received him to them give him power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe in his name. And I, I press home the, the question. Are you among the people of God? The participants of death that's mentioned. Notice thirdly and quickly here. The prospectus of death that's mentioned. Because it says in our text. In the sight of the Lord. You see, we're, we're getting here God's view of things. We could view death from a manward point of view, and it is painful, it is sad, it does bring grief into the heart. We do shed tears, we, we mourn here on earth. But when we view death not from a manward point of view, but from a Godward point of view, God's view of death is completely different to our view of death. Because God's view of death is about his people. Remember, it's only the saints of God that's clearly in view. God sees things differently from us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our thoughts. When Naaman the leper came to be cleansed, he came to the door of uh, Elisha, and he, he said, I thought... But Naaman was wrong. And a natural man's view of death is not the same as God's. You see, death is not something precious to mankind. Death grieves us. Death brings a sense of loss and pain and heartache and tears. I, I, I was thinking of the seasons of the year. I was thinking of that text in Isaiah 64. It says we all do fade as a leaf. And you think of the leaves in the tree in the autumn time. How, how they turn colour. How they begin to weather. But yet, even as they turn colour and, and begin to weather, there, there's a beautifulness about that scene. And of course, many people go to the like of Philadelphia or they go over to New England uh, and you can see some of the most spectacular, beautiful scenery in the autumn time in, in, in the United States of America. All to do with the changing of the colour of the leaves. Why? Here's the answer. They're dying. And the leaves will fall. And they'll be borne away with the wind. And it's a picture of men. We all do fade as a leaf. And yet I think of those that are carried away in time through the portal of death. I often think of Phyllis and Hartford Arnold's book, At Some Party in Heaven, all about their two boys. Disabled boys who died ten days apart at Thomas and, and Ainsley. And, and you see, 
some party in heaven is from God's viewpoint. Because there is jubilation and celebration from God's viewpoint because God thinks about the death of his saints. It's in his sight. And it's only and always in his sight. In light of the death of one of his saints is highly precious, greatly prized in the sight of God. Notice, lastly, the prospect of death that's mentioned. And you've got the word here, precious, in the sight of the Lord. Now why? Let me close with this thought. Death is a deliverance from pain and sorrow. Life, we know it, is a battle. We know that death is the ultimate penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Sin, when it brings, uh, sin when it's finished, bringeth forth death. And you see, sin brought death into the world. That's why there is such a thing as the universality of death, because there's the universality of sin. And death not only, or sin not only brought death, but brought sickness and brought sadness, and brought suffering, and, and heartache, and pain, and problems. And that's why we have war, and, 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 and the manifestation of evil all around us. Where did it come from? It can be traced back to Eden. It can be traced back to the fall. It can be traced back to um, sinning in Adam. Remember Job said, Job 14 verse 1, Man that is born of woman is a few days, and full of trouble, as the sparks fly upward. Suffering is our common lot. But you know, the death of every believer is a deliverance from that pain and suffering. You, you think tonight of someone taking their last breath, their eyes close, their heart stops, their physical life is over. And Job asked the question, where is he? Man dieth and wasteth away, yea, giveth up the ghost, where is he? Well, we can say, well, he's delivered from pain and sorrow. Doesn't the Bible say in Revelation 21 and 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The Bible talks about no more death, neither pain nor sorrow. The former things are passed away. You see, I say that for this reason. We, we hear regularly of people who die. Death brings pain and loss and grief into hearts and families. And we hear this expression, oh, their suffering is over. I want to say tonight, the suffering is over only if they've died in Christ. If not, and I say this with profound sadness in my heart, the suffering really has only begun. What about suffering the pains and torments of hell for all eternity? Doesn't the Bible tell us there and John chapter 3 and verse 16 and it was the Lord Jesus in the conversation to Nicodemus that emphasized the point he that believeth in him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God and it says in John 3 verse 36 he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him. The Bible tells us the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Death is a deliverance from pain and sorrow 
for the believer. I want to tell you something else. Death is the door to heaven for the believer. Someone has said that when the saint takes his last breath, he gets his first taste of heaven. Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, you might want to turn to that portion of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. I would encourage you to ponder the truth of the words there. Um, Paul has a lovely thought. He, he says in verse um, 6, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, and that word at home means present in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now listen to verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And the word present there is the same word in the Greek, at home. And present and at home is used interchangeably. And present in the body means we're absent from the Lord. But if we're absent from the body, that means we're, we're present with the Lord. You see, death is the gateway to eternal joy and bliss and happiness. Death, Spurgeon said, is the vestibule to eternal glory. And the death of every believer brings glory to Christ. Someone who has lived in Christ and lived for Christ and lived through the strength of Christ, one day they're going to be with Christ, which is far better. And the death of every true believer glorifies Christ. You see, the death of a believer is not a penalty; It's a privilege. It's a precious blessing in the covenant of grace. Christ, by his death on the cross, defeated death. He took a sting and terror of death away. Death holds no fear for the child of God. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. It was old Simeon that said, whenever he saw the Lord's Christ, and he was an old man, Now let us thy servant depart, in peace, for mine eyes have seen the king. He had seen the king. He knew he was going to die. And he was looking forward to departing and to going home to heaven. It's a blessing and a privilege to live for Christ. But it's also a blessing and a privilege to die for Christ. Paul could say for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. The word gain means it's to my advantage. And when death comes, it's the doorway to heaven. Of course, it's an answer to the prayer of Christ. Look with me at John 17 and verse 24. John 17 and verse 24. And here's the Savior in his high priestly prayer. And this is what he says in verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Where I am. There they will be also. His people with him. Ushered into his immediate presence. I was thinking of standing on a platform of a train station. You're saying goodbye to a loved one. You've got tears in your eyes. You say to the loved one, I'll see you soon. And off they go. But for the Christian, if you think about that, if you think of that as a picture of death, for every Christian, the other train, another train is coming. And we're going to the same destination. And it's all in God's time and God's timetable. 
Someone has asked, will we know one another in heaven? And I believe that we will. I believe there's loads of evidence in the Bible to support that. Peter knew Moses and Elias and the Mount of Transfiguration. How did he know them? It was divinely revealed. Matthew 8 and 11 talks about sitting down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Uh, many Gentiles coming to sit down with that family. A father, a son, a grandson. How could they sit down if they didn't know who they were? Waiting for them. Welcoming them. With Christ. Far better. Let me close with this thought. Death is different for the saints. There's two ways to die. Not all death is equally precious in the sight of God. You can die without Christ. Jesus said in John 8, 22, 24, three times, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot be. Dying out of Christ. And how many are willing to die out of Christ? Remember Balaam, let me die the death of the righteous. Let my latter end be his. Balaam wanted to die right, but Balaam wasn't prepared to live right. In order to die right, you've got to live right. You've got to live in Christ. And, and dying out of Christ is a fearful thing. Dying under the curse of God. Dying with the full penalty of the law of God down upon you. Dying facing the king of terrors, unrepentant, unconverted. Dying with the wrath of God hanging over your head. Or you can die in Christ. It was the old Methodists that used to talk about dying well. In fact, John and Charles were visiting a woman one time and she was in her deathbed. And she passed away into the Lord's presence. John looked at Charles on the way home and this is what he said. Charles, our people die well. And what did he mean? They were ready for death. They were redeemed. They died in Christ. They died depending on the blood. Let me ask you this question. Are you ready for death tonight? Death will come soon for all of us. Do you know death could come tonight? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day we bring forth. The call will come. The appointment is already made, and you'll not miss it. Are you ready? Are you depending on the blood of Christ? Are you a saint of God? Here's the precious death of the saints of God. Get the principle of death in your mind. It's a reality. Think of this Am I a participant in this text of Scripture or not? Have I got this perspective and view, God's view? And if I get this prospect, I'll be delivered from pain and sorrow. My death will be but the vestibule to glory. My death will be an answer to Christ's prayer. In my death I'll meet him. And my death will be different because I'm dying in Christ, which is far better. May the Lord take these few remarks and bless them to you this evening. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers and for the help given in the preaching of the word of God tonight.